Hi, I am your host, Leah Sarapier, and welcome to my podcast, Peer Med. I am a Canadian medical student, human rights, global health, and social justice advocate, and just an ordinary human being. Peer Med's podcast is not affiliated nor part of any organization or foundation. Peer Med's mission is serving humanity, connecting people, stories, and places. It is a platform that gives a voice to the voiceless and ear to the helpless and seeks to empower youth, physicians, and leaders far and wide. On our last episode, I spoke to Hussein Ali Nakwi about the importance of virtual care in medicine. Using his experiences and interactions with various stakeholders, such as long-term care homes, clinics, and vulnerable populations, he was able to provide an insider's view of the impact virtual care had on the pandemic and his thoughts about its effect after the pandemic is over. If you haven't listened to the excellent discussion with Hussein on episode 9, please do so. And if you have, do send in your feedback. This podcast is about connecting us both, making our interactions as speaker and listener more meaningful. Although half of today's medical students, residents, and physicians make up the female workforce, women continue to face discrimination from those around them. Despite these challenges, women have continued to revolutionize not only the field of medicine, but various other sectors of society. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to Tanya Michelle Contant. Born in Montreal with Portuguese parents, Tanya Michelle has practiced classical ballet for over 25 years. As the youth president of the Azorian Community Centre of Quebec, she has always been involved in community development with different organizations like McGill University edX and an international environmental law NGO in Brazil. Tanya Michelle speaks five languages which are English, French, Portuguese, Spanish and Italian. She is also learning three more languages which include Russian, Japanese and American Sign Language. Being a polyglot is an asset which allowed her to be a source of instrumental action during negotiations for the UNESCO Gastronomic City title for Florianopolis. She studied at Concordia University, enrolled in an undergraduate double major in Community Public Affairs and Policy Studies, as well as Political Science, followed by graduate studies for a micro-program MBA certificate in Leadership and Management from the John Molson School of Business. In 2015, Ms. Contant was nominated for the Young Quebecers Leading the Way Award after having been recognized as a distinguished forum participant and for her work as a timescape coordinator for the 9th UNESCO Youth Forum in Paris, France. In 2016, she worked as the regional youth coordinator for the Greater Montreal area on the Young Quebecers Leading the Way project, an initiative from the Quebec Community Group Network and Heritage Canada fostering democratic participation for young people aged 15 to 30. Her dedicated, her dedicated involvement towards youth civic engagement in Quebec was recognized as an inspiring youth in the Montreal Metro newspapers February 2016 and Portrait of Inspiring Youth for the Youth Council of Montreal. Her professional trajectory led her to be chosen as a 2016 Quebec delegate for the Give One project, returning to Paris, France. She then received the 2017 Homage to Women Project Award in Community and Participatory Democracy following her involvement with the Quebec delegation in the 2017 African Youth Leadership Summit 
In 2018, she was a laureate for the Summer Leadership Program at the Cabinet of the Minister of Families, Children and Social Development, which led her to become a federal political attaché for the Government of Canada, after having previously worked at the municipal and provincial level. Presently, in 2020, Tanya Michelle is one of three mentors to young women participating in her, in her city, after having been 2019 president of this initiative taking place with Montreal City Hall allowing young female professionals to participate in municipal politics. She hopes everyone is staying safe and healthy during this pandemic and would love to hear from anybody interested in female leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tanya Michelle Contant. Thank you so much, Ms. Contant, for joining me on this episode to speak about the role of women in medicine, as well as different other sectors of society which women contribute to. It is a real honor to have you on this episode. And Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Pierre, for having me uh, on your podcast. I'd uh, like to commend you for this wonderful initiative uh, in uh, the time of a pandemic. It's always very uplifting to see uh, actions uh, that demonstrate uh, solidarity among uh, persons. So my name is uh, Tanya Michelle Contant, and I'm very happy uh, to be talking with you. I uh, currently work uh, for the federal government as a political attaché and uh, I'm uh, happy to be discussing uh, females' uh, involvement in uh, the field of medicine as well as uh, other leadership initiatives. And so, Tanya, what does it mean to be a woman? So that's a, a wonderful question. I think that being a woman is much more than uh, celebrating uh, all women on March 8th. I think we merit to be celebrated every day instead of just once a year. I uh, also believe that uh, despite the fact that we're in 2020, we still have to overcome many struggles such as wage disparities, whether it be in a scientific field or in a business-related field or even in a political field, there's uh, still a lot to uh, be done in order to reach uh, gender parity. And Ms. Contant, although there are uh, a lot of issues and numerous avenues to go till gender parity is, is achieved, what are some problems that women face in society today? So issues that women face in uh, society today, I think, uh, is a very vast uh, question to be able to answer in the short amount of time that we have during this podcast. But I'll say that uh, the things that stand out uh, for me uh, would be uh, being able to uh, be perceived as someone who uh, isn't bossy when we're trying to be assertive, given whatever professional field we're part of. Also, not being afraid to speak out, and this correlates to any type of injustice all the way to the hashtag MeToo movement. And I think that as society progresses, women should be uh, celebrated for having the courage to come forward and uh, believe in their ideas and push for uh, what they deserve to have, be that professionally or personally. And so, Tanya, yes, Miss Contant, I agree with you that women need to be celebrated for their achievements, both professionally and personally. And so, taking this into consideration, when did the women's movement start? Today, in this age, what does it mean to be able to reflect on the achievements of women in the past? 
Um, I think that so during this pandemic, we all have uh, um, lots of time to reflect. So this is a wonderful topic to be reflecting about. Um, women's movements, I think, can be traced back all the way to uh, suffragettes uh, advocating for women to be able to vote uh, and uh, relating this to medicine for women to be able to have the right to get to study, you know, such a beautiful and deep scientific field. So I think that uh, whatever reflection uh, persons have on uh, women's issues or women's rights really have a lot of uh, historical context to be looked into. For sure. And so, Tanya, to go a bit into uh, the role of women in medicine, the first doctor uh, that was a woman was Elizabeth Blackwell. And after she earned her degree, she was banned from practicing in a lot of the hospitals. And so she ended up starting her own um, infirmary in New York. And during the Civil War, she trained a lot of women to be nurses. So this was a great step for um, Elizabeth Blackwell because she created opportunities for future female physicians. And so if we take a look into Canada, the first female physician in Canada was Emily uh, Stowe. And so Dr story is also one of uh, overcoming adversity and so when she when she uh, started off her career she mentions encountering several types of men and she states that there were men that she loved and men that she loathed and um, naturally there were those that actively opposed her and those that helped her in in key times so she speaks to the um, the profession being one of a very patriarchal, like um, taking a very male predominant presence in our everyday lives. But do you think that ever since um, women have been able to come forth, there has been this change to accept women more, or do we still face the same struggles as the first pioneers of uh, female physicians? Um, well, I'm so happy that uh, you asked me that question, uh, Ms. Pierre, because I think uh, it's uh, extremely relevant to uh, today's uh, current events. And uh, Dr. Blackwell and Dr. Stowe are both women that uh, merit to be celebrated with uh, wonderful initiatives in medicine, such as yourself for taking uh, time to make this, this um, podcast during this pandemic. Um, I unfortunately do believe that there's still a very big patriarchal type of hierarchy that women need to overcome. Um, one of uh, my favorite quotes is actually uh, teach your daughters uh, about uh, shattering glass ceilings instead of wanting to wear glass slippers um, to remove a little bit of the fairy tale ideology that sometimes uh, young females are conditioned with. Um, I believe that society is more conscientious of the importance of uh, having a conciliation between family and uh, workplace time for females and even the integration of females that uh, caregiving tasks are shared. However, uh, when we look at this pandemic, for example, um, a lot of people are finding it difficult to uh, have uh, child-rearing responsibilities be shared or exercise their professional obligations while having their children at home. And uh, I think that uh, our current uh, issues today, the pandemic itself, are making us uh, re-question some issues that were observed 
as many, many years ago when we women entered the workforce because now we need to adapt to how women will continue uh, taking down those patriarchal type of barriers that you mentioned Dr. Stowe and Dr. Blackwell uh, were confronted with, but now at a digital level in 2020, dealing with uh, an unfortunate virus. For sure. I, I really like the way you, you put it, Tanya. And I think a lot of female physicians or doctors have, are addressed as Mrs. or Sweetie rather than like doctor. And so although language may seem harmless, it can be very damaging and reinforce discrimination towards women in the field. So not only does it do that, it also puts forth an unjustified lack of trust from patients. So do you think female physicians are somehow less deserving of the title than male physicians? Oh, no, not at all. And that's why I hope that you get your title as soon as possible once you accomplish uh, your studies. Um, uh, on a personal perspective, uh, my mom actually used to have a cardiologist and he used to train residents. And he always used to joke that the female residents were much better prepared than the male residents. So he always liked to push them forward, not to discredit any of the uh, intellectual or professional capabilities from those residents that uh, were part of the cohort that my mom's cardiologist had but just to make light of an unfortunate situation that many females face in any profession and uh, women definitely in 2020 are not less deserving of any title especially a medical one um there's uh, that joke on twitter as status that went viral that uh, had a woman say uh, uh post a twitter uh, status about how when uh, one of uh, her uh, former contacts contacted her and asked her is it uh, miss or mrs and she answered it's doctor which mentions the importance about how those who are in titles, whatever their gender, should be addressed with the titles that they work hard to earn. And although women should be ad addressed by the title for which they have worked hard to achieve, Tanya, this is easier said than, than actually done. And so what do we do to help fight these barriers or to challenge these stereotypes which society has unfortunately, that still predominates unfortunately in society. With this, with uh, lots of patience and a grain of salt and uh, lots of uh, inner conviction uh, throttling us forward to uh, better developments of uh, our current day reality. And uh, we hope that uh, current day situations will continue to get better and better for women in all professions. For sure. And I think um, it's imperative to understand that people as individuals and uh, that across different periods of time, how we think or what we write about the female experience changes. And so even though women in the past may have been perceived as victims or bystanders, or even as companions today, they are protagonists and um, women of their own stories. Um, so, Tanya, in this pandemic, um, there has strikingly been a lot of female clinicians serving on the front lines, as well as Forbes um, magazine had highlighted that all countries leading by women had better governance protocols for dealing with the pandemic. What does this illustrator tell us about women leadership or women taking um, control? I uh, strongly believe that uh, women who are uh, female leaders um, are 
luckily getting the recognition that they deserve throughout this pandemic because it's very impressive to see news sources such as Forbes that recognize their work and their inputs and it's even more impressive and I think needed for the world to recognize how many women leaders there are at the forefront of countries making sure that citizens internationally are um, are safe so it's very reassuring and uh, I guess what it means is that uh, we're taking a step in the right direction to become uh, more gender balanced leadership wise as a society and Tanya, how did your experiences help you help shape your activism and your uh, leadership uh, for women, empowering them and uh, helping them accelerate in their field? How did your experiences help craft you to to do the amazing work that you do every day? Well, thank you. I think that uh, someone that does amazing work is only as uh, good as the team that surrounds them. And, uh, you know, I need to mention that uh, I have had the the pleasure of knowing you for about uh, five years now. And we both met uh, throughout the Young Quebecers Leading the Way project uh, spearheaded by uh, Heritage Canada. And uh, from uh, that time on, I have been equally impressed with uh, your accomplishments. And uh, for me, it makes it easier to take on roles as someone propelling other women forward, such as uh, now I'm uh, one of three mentors for a project called uh, CTL, Her City, and uh, that encourages young professional women to take an interest in uh, municipal politics. So I think uh, having a team of equally strong women, women who are equally passionate about uh, issues or want to be just as involved in changing different types of policies or different types of societal norms or expectations that are uh, antiquated make a big difference in uh, changing things for the better. And do you think it is possible for women to combine motherhood motherhood with a fulfilling career in, in medicine or in other domains of life? I do. I believe that. Uh, however, less and less uh, people in the job interviews are encouraged, you know, not to ask that question, not to infringe on someone's personal prerogative to want to start a family, be that a man or a woman, but because women carry the onus of having to uh, gestate a child I think that's why women still get asked this question in 2020 but definitely uh, work family uh, life balance is something that uh, more and more employers encourage should encourage and any careers uh, advancement should put at the forefront of uh, scientific developments or whatever business developments that are taking place around the world especially in a pandemic where we've been shown that uh, most professions can be executed from uh, the comfort of someone's uh, home. And how do we assure that women physicians are, are respected in the future? I uh, think that that has to do with a lot of uh, conditioning for those around us, even just stopping someone from a certain microaggression and a microaggression, I'm sure as you know, but in case uh, some of our uh, listeners uh, aren't aware of what it is, is uh, a comment that someone could make in a sentence just uh, haphazardly without realizing that they said something that could be offensive to 
females in any profession, especially medical um, workers who are females, who are doctors or who are studying whatever scientific uh, related field, I think it's important to just respectfully correct someone and say, I'm sorry, uh, I don't agree with you. Have you ever thought about whatever you just said in this perspective? And then share how whatever comment that was made could potentially be perceived as sexist, even if the person declares themselves as a feminist. And I'm not just saying correcting males, I'm saying correcting a person of any gender. I think that that's a very doable and realistic manner to advocate for uh, female advancement in any field, especially the medical one. And so, Tanya, how do we deal with um, some of these issues, such as discrimination or violence against women in in more underdeveloped or developing nations? How do we change their outlook towards women's place and women's role in, in medicine or other fields? Um, for For that, I think we need to approach these different cultures with respect towards the ingrained values that they've been conditioned with for such a long time. The fact that they've been conditioned with these values doesn't necessarily make them right to persons who have grown up, uh, let's say, in uh, the Western part of the world or North America, such as myself, because I wasn't conditioned with the same values as someone who maybe grew up in an underdeveloped nation. But I think being open to respectful dialogue is the best way to make sure that women internationally keep getting the recognition and the rights that they deserve uh, everywhere else. Uh, For example, female genital mutilation is continuously being banned more and more all over the world. Luckily, it has never been such a predominant issue in Canada as as it has been in other places. But the best way to make countries that practice this unfortunate uh, action stop is to be able to discuss with them calmly about how it shouldn't be taking place in the first place, as outraged as people who oppose it uh, may be. And Tanya, is there a particular issue that you see yourself dedicating activism or raising your voice for within or for women in in society i uh, I, I think that uh, there's uh, um, lots of women in society that are preoccupied by various different types of issues i'm uh, very lucky to come from a family of uh, strong women for example my mom has been an elementary school teacher for 27 years she's also a union representative and uh, that has infringed upon me uh, the belief to advocate for other people's values i'm uh, someone who's particularly touched about the plight of uh, elderly persons in uh, Canada's um, uh, long-term care homes who are being uh, left to die alone throughout this pandemic. So I think uh, as a society, as women who currently are living through this this global issue, we need to band together to make sure that we are able to not only live our life with dignity without microaggressions, minimalizing our professional accolades or professional um, studies, but to be able to finish our life with uh, with dignity so uh, I may be looking into how uh, to further develop the elderly person's rights uh, issues 
And Tanya, what do you what do you think has played a role for for the situation in Quebec with the long term care homes? I think there's a, a lot of issues that uh, are at play uh, with uh, within those roles uh, that are not necessarily being as proactive as as they should. I'm uh, not um, at liberty to to comment on what could be better done, given that both the federal government and the provincial government are working very hard to resolve it. And uh, it it would just need to have better respect among uh, the way we take care of our elderly. I think that as a nation, Quebec should not be listed seventh in the world throughout this pandemic as a country that needs amelioration for whatever factor that could have gone wrong with the care of uh, elderly people. And so, Tanya, to young females who are aspiring to be politicians or aspiring to work in the fields of policy or to be future physicians, how do we empower these young women in the field or how do we empower them now? For uh, young women, I think that we need to encourage them to uh, never belittle someone when they have enough confidence to share their dreams with someone else. You know, to want to be a doctor is a very big thing. To want to do whatever is someone's dream is just as respectful because not everyone has the same opportunities or the same ambition necessarily. And I think that when someone vocalizes that they're interested in whatever type of career they're interested in, it could be to become an orderly as a woman contributing to a medical field, just as it could be to become a, you know, a neurosurgeon or um, a student that would be pursuing medicine to then go on to do family medicine. And I think that all levels of working in the healthcare profession are noble, just like all professions are noble and that there should be a general consensus of uplifting others when they mention that they want to pursue an education, that they want to better themselves or that they want to join fields that are less obvious as a career path, such as pursuing a career in, in politics. And Tanya, how do we deal with um, men or or males that are, are threatened by females um, reaching leadership positions? How do we convince them that um, respect for women is needed and it's not an infringement on, on them being a man or their rights to manhood? Um, more and more companies, organizations, governmental structures, even hospitals have uh, HR departments or unions to protect people that could have suffered an injustice. And I think that it's important always to speak up verbally and mention that whatever situation or comment or um, interaction could have been perceived as an aggression or a microaggression and uh, to try to work that out with the person that has committed it if Mm -hmm. it's not uh, something that's very grave and requires intervention. Um, The way that someone would treat a microaggression, a comment that someone didn't like about females is obviously not the same way that someone would treat sexual harassment at work in whatever field. So I think it's important to not be afraid to speak up and to mention what is being done. And if it's something as serious as a 
harassment of any form, especially sexual harassment, to put it in writing and uh, have uh, an HR field look into it as soon as possible. And if it's something uh, as cordial as uh, an interaction with a colleague that has a comment that was made that could be perceived as a microaggression, to not be afraid to correct that colleague and make sure that all genders feel at ease and, and respected when having dialogue. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tanya, for informing us about all these issues and for intel telling us about the role of women, not only in medicine in, and in politics as well, and for informing us about the different means of overcoming these, these difficulties and in involving, educating people, um, engaging them in meaningful ways. And, um, I just want to say as a pioneer of women's rights and as someone who empowers young females yourself, it's been an absolute honor to have you on this episode. And thank you so much for accepting my invitation to appear on Peer Med on this platform, which gives a voice to um, women and raises the issue about women's rights in society. Well, I, I thank you uh, on my end for having me uh, on your platform. And uh, like I said, I'm very proud to see uh, how far you've come from uh, when we first met. And uh, for me, it's a pleasure to be uh, here today discussing with you. They say that you're only as uh, strong as the people that surround you and that you are um, a, a sum of uh, the five people the closest to you so today I feel like uh, I'm on a cloud nine despite it being a pandemic because it's a pleasure to get to share uh, these ideas and uh, exchange uh, uh, about different types of uh, opinions and uh, different types of perceptions that people may have about women be it in medicine or any field and the need for uh, continuous uh, female empowerment. Thank you so much Tanya. All right, well, stay safe and healthy throughout the pandemic, and I wish you a good day. Thank you. Listeners, there are a few important lessons we can take from this beautiful discussion between Ms. Contant and I regarding the roles of women in medicine and society. In order to accomplish one's life goals, as a person, ambition is necessary. Ambition plus resilience are able to overcome staggering odds. This isn't to say that activism does not work. No, that is not what I am saying. Activism is part of the ingredients required for change and often involves personal engagement and sacrifice. In the field of medicine and society, females need to be respected and accepted. Only then can we adequately address the issues of equity. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to like it and share it with your friends and family members. For further information, feel free to visit our website, The Pure Post, read our articles, and visit our merchandise at PureMed. The links are available in the description. We here at PureMed are ecstatic to bring you exciting new content, week in and week out. Don't forget to subscribe to stay updated. We cannot wait to see our new and familiar faces here back each episode. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe, stay healthy.